0: Welcome to Schools on the Front Lines, a podcast brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. This special podcast series has focused on the multiple challenges that our schools faced as they shut down last March and now here in the fall as they reopen with an improved approach to distance learning as the new normal. These new challenges also present schools with new opportunities to get things right. In this, our 11th episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Janine Topalian, president of the California Association of School Psychologists, and Dr. Loretta Whitson, executive director of the California Association of School Counselors. We'll discuss how schools are addressing the surge in mental health challenges that has accompanied this pandemic. Welcome to both of you.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having us. Good morning. First,
0: since March, what has life been like for school psychologists and school counselors?
2: School psychologists have been very, very busy We've been focusing on the increased mental health needs of students. We've been checking in with students, parents, teachers, school personnel. We're working with parents and teachers and um, students with providing supports, the supports that are outlined within the free and appropriate public education and IEPs, and as well as providing services within the MTSS uh, multi-tiered system of support where we provide the social emotional learning in classrooms and trying to triage where students' needs are, providing the first aid mental health where needed. We've been focusing on telehealth and focusing on how to do in-person assessments as we move forward
1: to provide all the supports that students need.
0: And Loretta, what about for school counselors since March?
1: We are certainly in uncharted waters. Uh, The emotional well-being of students, the faculty, the parents, it's been hard. I've never seen school counselors working as hard as they are with numbers of emails and text messages from parents concerned about their kids, and then concerns with teachers that are really having a difficult time because of the multiple stress factors. So it's been incredibly challenging to say the least.
0: So sticking with school counselors, Loretta, we've all seen these reports on the dramatic declines in child abuse reporting during the pandemic. Can your members intervene in that area? And if so, how?
1: Yeah, in fact, there's some great models out there. Some of the ways they're doing that is working and training the teachers to be able to identify signs of stress or child abuse or other kinds of factors. And then having a system where the teacher reaches out to the school counselor and usually categorizes in three areas. Is it chronic? Is it a crisis? Is it critical? and responds immediately. So some districts are utilizing different methods, whether it's email, text messaging to the school counselor to sometimes even come in immediately within a classroom setting to assess the situation and support those students.
0: And Janine, what are school psychologists finding out about these child abuse issues?
2: Students are withdrawing more, they're more depressed, they're more isolated. As Loretta mentioned, it has been a challenge as schools are the hub of the community where students come to school where they are fed and now it's taken away from them. So we see that there's a lot of issues where they're neglected because of lack of resources at homes. Parents are in financial distress because of the pandemic and different situations within their family and students don't have that safe space where they used to, where they used to come to school and have that ability to have discussions with their people, the school counselors, social workers, or school psychologists, whoever it may be, the school-based mental health providers, who are their safe haven, like, you know, somebody to go to, their mentors, there's somebody that they could speak to. So we've had a lot of students where we do notice there's a drastic increase in overall depression, a lot of anxiety that we see But again, I think parents are at a loss as well. I think that's where we see the most issues because parents don't know what to do. Years ago, when I was at a school site, one of my students who used to see me for counseling um, did end up actually running away from home and coming to school to see me because he was in danger. Now that's taken away. So where are these children going? What's happening with them? So we've had to reestablish all of our relationships and the rapport that we build with our students and our families because it's, it's just different times.
1: And my hunch is, is that there's more child abuse issues going on, not less, even though the reporting is down. So that tells me that there's an underreporting of these issues, and we're figuring out ways to try to be able to have students disclose so we can assist and help that family.
0: And Loretta, I saw a report last night that 4 million acres have burned here in California. What kind of trauma might youngsters be experiencing from the many wildfires throughout the state?
1: This is incredibly challenging. I've been working with the Santa Cruz and Butte County, and we see the families, but we also see teachers that have lost their homes. I know I heard about several teachers in Butte County that have lost their homes two or three times because of the fire issues, and so them coping and being able to operate a classroom is difficult too and students usually respond differently than adults to crises the presenting issues usually doesn't happen till maybe months later we're seeing teachers first we're putting together some things to really support the teaching and the faculty and administrators who are struggling and then looking at ways we can support for students for a long period of time because the trauma will last For years, as we're seeing with other disasters that have happened prior to this time.
0: Janine, what are school sites finding out about this issue of trauma associated with wildfires?
2: Even as being secondary trauma, as students who are at home watching this on the news and seeing what's going on has been very traumatic. And the students have expressed like a helplessness sort of feeling of not being able to help and do anything. And and because of the pandemic and different things that are going on, and as much as we try to reinforce their resiliency during this time, it has impacted them. And like Loretta mentioned, we've been trying to work with the teachers because I think that's where it starts as well. If the teachers are not able to take care of themselves first, then how do they go ahead and transfer that information to the students as well? So we've been working with students and families and teachers, but, Carl, it's very difficult.
1: And I'd love to add into that because one of the head scratchers for me was getting calls from our small school districts, which at least over 50 percent of our schools are small in that area. And they don't have the mental health supports that other schools have often when there's three, four or five hundred kids in that school district. So what we've done, and this is in partnership with the school social workers and the school psychologists, is create an Adopt-A-School program. So we're using our uh, emeriti, our retired counselors that can adopt a school for however long it's needed to help them get through this process, help bridge some of the gaps with the lack of mental health services on their campuses.
0: I'm talking with Janine Topalian, president of the California Association of School Psychologists, and Loretta Whitson, Executive Director of the California Association of School Counselors. I know that you're both involved in a statewide planning group convened by State Superintendent Tony Thurman to get mental health providers, social workers, counselors, psychologists together to talk about better delivery of services to struggling students and their families. How is that initiative going.
1: It's going really well. And I really want to thank the State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurman, for his insight. And he came from a background of social work before he went into the field. So he understands the value of mental health and the issues that is being faced. And I'm so glad that he's in this role. One of the things, Carl, that I say is that don't let a crisis go to waste. And I would say that this is one of those times where we are with school-based and clinical-based counselors together, talking about students in a way that has actions associated with it. We're also talking about how to reach out to parents. You know, So one of the things that has come out is the ideas of doing videos to explain our different roles, which is sometimes a confusion for parents and even our staff members. We are looking at ways to reach far and wide, and the diversity of California makes it challenging. But the people at the table has been quite wonderful, and uh, we keep tackling different pieces of the puzzle in order to help bring the best services possible for mental health to all of our families in California.
0: In addition to the pandemic and the quarantine, you have this emerging issue of racial injustice in our state and country. What kinds of expertise can school counselors and psychologists bring to bear on this critical issue?
1: I know for us as an association, we created a website that's just dedicated to the prevailing issues of 2020. It started off to be COVID, then it morphed about racial disparity, about creating lessons that teachers and others can use in the classroom, really looking at ways that we can reach out and support. So we've done quite a bit of virtual training for all faculty members, and we've also created uh, resources to be able to help teachers know how to do lessons in the classroom to discuss that, really trying to open up where the barriers to learning are in regards to the disparities in our schools, and be a resource. For teachers and others, Janine.
2: One of the things is that I, when I came on board as a president, I did create a committee called Social Justice. We've been actively working on providing professional development, as Loretta said, and working with our Multicultural Affairs and Diversity Committee as well to make different progress about social biases, racial bias, different things that are going on in the communities besides the pandemic. And also, one of the things that we're doing is we want to make sure that we're promoting the equity of all.
0: We've known for years that our state lags behind other states in terms of the number of school psychologists and counselors per student. Will this crisis change that? And what's your message to the governor and the state legislature about the importance of this critical issue? Janine?
2: It's a very important issue because we have one school psychologist per 1,000 students and it should be 1 to 600 and, and of course the stressors we are currently facing have only exasperated this shortage. We do hope that will change and we're seeing some initial signs that are hopeful. We're on a right path and the governor's original budget didn't really focus on the workforce and the grants and the shortage and now we're seeing some sort of light. But the work is not done. We need to write letters to government advocacy is the biggest issue right now. And we're hoping with the increased funding on the ballot for Proposition 15, that would help the Schools and Community First Act, and that would help the schools be able to service all students as well. So I think there is movement. Is it ever going to be the one to 600? I hope so. I hope whoever's listening today will be able to think about how we would fit within the LCAP, because as school-based mental health providers, there is different things that we can do within the LCAP. And Loretta, I'm sure we'll
1: share more information about that, right?
0: Your message to the leadership, Loretta, and about this important issue.
1: I'll start with the thank you that when we did institute the local control accountability plan and local control funding formula we have seen a over 30% increase in our workforce. That's about 3,000 more school counselors working in our schools. At some point, and and I'm sure Carl, you remember, we had a thousand to one ratio. And uh, with a recommendation of 250, to one, which many states meet. So when you have a 1,000 to one, you're doing your job totally different. It's more of an what I call an urgent care. Next, 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 you know, whoever comes in, because you don't have time to do real systems change, really work at the core of the needs of the school. The good news is that we're now, the last data that I ran was about 622 to one. So we're still, you know, more than double the amount that is the maximum recommended by our nation at 250. So So there's progress and we're not there yet. I think what the difficulty is, is that most administrators, I know Carl, you're a little different, you were a school counselor, but most administrators go through the teacher realm and they don't necessarily understand When uh, there's needs in their school, they look towards increasing their teaching staff or doing kind of supplemental itinerant teachers to really help support the learning. When there's a lot of research out there that shows that the hiring of a school psychologist or a school counselor actually makes a difference in other areas. And we see it for attendance, Especially chronic attendance students. We see it for our increasing GPA. We also see for school counselors in particular, the increases in college enrollment or post-secondary planning. It's so uh, essential for our students. So, so there's a lot of reasons to increase their workforce and to consider this as a viable investment in our schools. And there was an auditor's report that I just happened to read this weekend that came out last week. Which was quite phenomenal, saying that there would be a benefit to our schools to increase their mental health supports on the school campuses. The report was really focused on suicide prevention, but it was one of their core findings, along with the idea of having school-based health centers.
2: Just to add to that, um, one of the our unique training SPPS providers provided us the opportunity to understand the school system. And also understand our community partners, how to work together, how to collaborate, how to be a multidisciplinary system of support for students, parents, communities working together. So I think having that training, hiring a PPS credentialed school psychologist, counselor, social worker benefits the whole school community in itself.
0: Thanks very much to both of you for your extraordinary leadership of these statewide organizations that are absolutely critical to the success of our students. I would just add that I spent seven of the happiest years of my 50 plus year career as a school counselor. Good luck to both of you.
1: Thank you, Carl, very much. Thank you.
0: That was Janine Topalian, president of the California Association of School Psychologists, and Loretta Whitson, executive director of the California Association of School Counselors. These leaders and their members are providing critical frontline support as schools struggle with the multiple challenges of this pandemic. This has been Schools on the Frontlines brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our opening theme is by Utah. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. Talk to you next week.